is The Verse, a weekly dive into the cinematic universes and beyond. We'll dissect the latest episodes, films, and news all fans from veterans to news are dying to know more about. Now, here's our team of pop culture superheroes we call The Verse Squad. Welcome to The Verse. Welcome back to The Verse, the podcast that knows the correct wine to pair with rabbit. Today, we continue our coverage of HBO's The Last of Us and Amazon Prime Video's The Legend of Mox Vakina. But before we do, let's meet the team. I'm Norm. I'm Lucas. Bibi, you're up. Bibi? Uh, where's Bibi? Oh, right. I knew there was something I was forgetting. Uh, she took, she took our two heckling robots on a field trip to, uh, wait, let me check. Uh, she took them to, I think, USA? Earth? Don't know where that is. But, uh, she should be back by now unless a sudden arctic front froze the fuselage on their shuttle. Hope that doesn't happen. Well, well anyway. I, I can enjoy the quiet for a little bit. And since we're free of their robotic babbling, let me say without interruption then, I'm Amalia, and this is The Verse News, where we bring you the latest news from across the cinematic universes and beyond. So let's see what the squad has come up with this week. Um, who wants to go first? Sure, why not? I'll jump right in. Um, kind of sad news for me, I guess. A little bit, just our disappointing news. I'm not mad, I'm disappointed. <laughs> James Gunn and Peter Safran revealed this week that the release date for The Batman Part 2 will be in theaters on October 3rd, 2025. That is... That- that is way too that's long. Shocking. That is way too yeah. long. But it I takes mean, time to shoot and release, you know? Yeah, putting together a three-hour movie takes some time. Yes. Good point. Can't they just trim it down but. to two? Anyway. <laughs> but it's if not they made like... it a two-hour movie, it would come out in two-thirds the amount of the time. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that worked. That math checks. <laughs> but, I, you know, I just I was hoping for a 2024 release, not a 2025 release. So this is a little, um, little disappointing to me. Norm, but can we just focus on the fact that it wasn't canceled and scrapped? So There's like, there's no way on that, the good. that was such a big hit there was no yeah. way they could and for the uh the the budget it had to what it cleared in the box office, it was a no-brainer to return. Matt Reeves so did an like, amazing job doing a true to form Batman film. So So it'll be Batman year 10, I guess, considering it's going to be 10 years till it comes out. But are they going to have um, Robert Battenson still? Battenson is going to be back. Nice. Okay. And, and I thought and there was Kravitz a whole thing where back too. Wasn't there a whole thing where they were not going to bring him back? <laughs> I think that was just rumor because of all the HBO, uh, Warner Brothers, all that craziness. The, the big craziness, yeah. Well, I'm indifferent. I'll be happy to see it when it comes out. Otherwise, you know whatever um my news was just that i didn't realize i don't know like i i know i knew that james gunn was like starting to head up dc stuff but i didn't realize he was going to be like the new like their their kevin feige no he he him and uh peter are the uh the feiges yeah they're the feiges now DC they're, feiges. they're they're the ones overseeing the entire dcu now yeah and so they they revealed a bunch of uh, a new slate of movies coming up which i assume are all coming out after the batman part two but 
don't really know well, that for sure. No, they, they said the uh, Superman movie, I think, is the first one out the gate. Yeah, Superman co- colon Legacy. Do you know anything about this Legacy one, Norm? Uh, no, Any I mean, this, this, this is just a title. It doesn't sound right. There's not a lot of details, we'll say. I really wanted them to do Kingdom Come, so I'm hoping it's gearing towards that. So I, would love, I would love to see Kingdom Come. They said that it's not an origin story. But it is Thank about God Superman. Good. We we don't we don't need any origin stories anymore. If you don't know it. how Superman came to be at this point, like go read a comic book. That's all I can say. <laughs> He's supposed to be balancing his his Kryptonian heritage with his human upbringing. So, it's not an origin story, but it is about like foundations, I guess. Good, but that's like the the Superman story, right? Yeah. The, if you want to make Superman's story interesting, you have to make it where he's. There's got to be some kind of struggle, and I think the struggle is man versus God, the mm-hmm. internal struggle of uh, man versus God. So that's up first, and then Batman, the brave not and the part bold. two, Batman colon the brave and the bold. Yeah, which I should, love a good colon. I, I do know that they said this one will be focusing on Batman and Damian Wayne as Robin. So Who's Bat- Damian, Batman's son that he had with Talia oh. Al Ghul. Nice. Okay. Yeah, and he doesn't uh, for being the world's greatest detective, which is a lie because it's <laughs> it's the question. It's obviously, Sherlock Holmes. Um, well, I'm just going by the DC universe. He's not even the oh. greatest detective in the DC universe. But in any case, um, he has no idea that he has a son. And then, like, when the kid's like 12 years old, I think uh, Talia Al Ghul's like, "Oh, by the way, here's your son, Damien." So you're saying he's a deadbeat dad? By accident, yes. Yeah, I mean... It can happen. 23 and me, man. It can mess with you. <laughs> so that's not going to be the same... Is this the same Batman as the Batman? No. No, this is not going to be the same okay. one. Cause this, is this, it this, Batfleck? It's the DCU Batman, mm-hmm. which is different from the DCEU? Um, they're, so they're... James Gunn and Peter Safran want to uh, mainline the DCEU to the DCU. So they're going to start selecting the properties that are going to be a part of the main line, and then they're going to continue a handful, of a very small handful of uh, DCEU um, shows, which uh, goes with Matt, the Reeves-verse, I think that people are calling it, for Batman. And also, um, well, I, I think the CW universe is now uh, starting to wrap up I believe the flash is on its final season they just announced that uh this past season will be the last season for both titans and mm-hmm. doom patrol there's they're starting to wrap things up and then they're going to start focusing in on a main universe starting fresh okay mm-hmm. i'm okay with that yeah, well not to spend too much time here so I'll, I'll kind of go through the others in more quick succession but then we got supergirl colon women of tomorrow um which i assume is about supergirl <laughs> yes and <laughs> women She's not going to be the Supergirl we're used to seeing, supposedly. Um, and then we have Paradise Lost, and a it's going to be a series, and, and I quote... People will lose of, their mind over it. A Game of Thrones-esque story about the... the Themyscira? Themyscirans. Yeah, Paradise Island, the home of the Amazons, the birthplace oh, yeah. of Wonder Woman. Every single incel out there will be absolutely enraged by this by the way it's a great story that they they're basing it off of so i'm i'm actually excited for that 
Nice. So that means it's probably going to be great. <laughs> um, then or at we... least great to watch the uh, controversy unfold. <laughs> we'll have Booster Gold, which is uh, about... <laughs> It's and I quote, a loser from the future, quote, <laughs> who uses basic future technology to come back today and pretend to be a superhero. Um, that's hilarious. It is. It's, it's also series. Uh, not not part of the pun, but it's, it's great. It's gold. A series for HBO Max. And then Lanterns, another, and I quote, HBO quality TV event. Um, it's going to be like True Detective. And it's going to have... Um, Green Lanterns, Hal Jordan, and John Stewart. Ooh, wait, John so. Stewart, like the actor? <laughs> no, no, no. Comedian? Yeah, like from the Daily Show. <laughs> <laughs> I'd watch that. I'll watch anything with John Stewart, but not this. <laughs> okay. Uh, then we have the Authority. Another one that's going to be really good. Wildstorm characters. Don't know what that means, but they're going to be in the DCU. Yeah. I'm encouraged that I know so little about all this stuff, which means it'll be, sounds like it'll be surprising and potentially good, according to Norm. Wildstorm, anti-hero. Just a, yeah, Wildstorm's just a offshoot of DC that usually deals with some darker things, not as much as what Dark Horse does, the Dark mm-hmm. Horse label, but it's still pretty out there. Yeah, so these are going to be the people who have to make the quote hard decisions, I guess the the gray, the shades of gray. Mm. Then you know there. Oh, oh, almost there. Almost done. Okay, creature commandos, <laughs> animation. Yeah. Um. Apparently, James Gunn wrote this, and uh, it's already written, and it's going to be about military superhumans, uh, including uh, a human, a werewolf, a vampire, Frankenstein's monster, and a Corrigan. Sounds like the show being human. Great. Sounds awesome. Also, Weasel will be there. <laughs> <clears throat> then we'll have Waller. It's a continuation of Peacemaker with the same actors. Um, they're kind of working on Waller in between Peacemaker and it's also going to be a TV series. And finally, Swamp Thing. Yeah, I was waiting for that one. <laughs> which, which they are Who guaranteeing knows? it's going to be a horror film. So that, Great. that's going to be interesting. So that's, that's my uh, sort of news. Yeah, that's my news. I'm done. <laughs> well, my news is a little more... On the sad note, uh, Melinda Dillon from Close Encounters and A Christmas Story has passed away at 83. And to honor her, I say we all go and watch Close Encounters this week because it is probably one of Spielberg's best. So it's they, definitely up there. I agree with you. Yeah, um, I saw and that And then news. I had another, my backup news was that they are making a Gladiator sequel that I care absolutely nothing about. This I is feel way like too, way too most, long to try and do that. It's one of the most overhyped movie of uh, Ridley Scott, and it's one of my least favorite of his, and everybody seems to love it, so I don't understand why they're doing a sequel. I, I think they love it because at the time it came out, it was a departure from the action films they had seen. But since no, then, I just thought there the are so many people who have done it better. Well, I wanted to watch a movie about gladiators, like, you know, from Airplane. You're like, movies about gladiators? I was like, yeah, I do. Let's watch an actual gladiator movie. Instead, it was like this, I'm going to, like, the emperor gets in the ring to fight, and it's so silly. I was like, this is such a dorky script. Anyway, I know there's a lot of fans out there, so fight me online. And tell me why you actually want to watch this movie, the sequel, because I have zero interest. If it's made in the the now time period, though, maybe it'll be bleaker, you know, like how how it would have really been for a gladiator, I imagine. I'd like to know how it actually was for a gladiator instead of what we got. So anyway, but I did like Russell Crowe. He was good in it. All I know is it'll probably star Pedro Pascal. <laughs> <laughs> he better have a man. Trajectory he's on. The trajectory he's on. He's going to be in everything. 
Uh, well, that was my news. All right, that was the verse news. Uh, so why don't we jump into what uh, what we're all thinking about, which is The Last of Us Episode 3. I've been waiting a long time to discuss this since I watched it at 9 p.m. on the dot on HBO <laughs> yes, Max. Same. <laughs> um, and before we go any further, uh, let's remind everyone that this is going to be a spoiler-filled discussion, but only about things that already took place in the already aired episodes. Um, if you're caught up on the series, you are good to go. If not, proceed with caution. I know I want to talk about this right away. Like uh, I've been itching. Uh, I know Emilia has, and, and Lucas has kind of mentioned to me that mm-hmm. he's also been excited. Um, but I think we should start by talking about the video game here, because this Perfect. is wildly different from what was seen in the video game. In the video game, um, uh, it's not this at all. It's a little less... <laughs> elegant but it but it makes sense because for a video game you know you're geared towards gameplay and i th- i think this is such a good example of them like taking what's good and leaving what they can in- what they can improve well, on right yes well, one of the things that was lost though by by completely redoing this story and it's funny nobody ever mentions this like the in the video game you are running through this school trying to escape and it's truly one of the most terrifying parts of the game and you're saved by bill yes. and there's this whole drama that happens with bill who I like to me that was one of my favorite parts of the game. So it was super bold of them to say, you know what, we're gonna like cut that out, kill mm-hmm. your darlings, right, and instead do this very quiet, beautiful like love story, where in one of the most like tense part of the game. Yes. So anyway, I fo- so, found it to be exactly what they should be doing with this show. Yeah, you know, they they said um, what they were going to do was look at the game and areas where they can improve on and and do way better. They they didn't say better. They said if we can't do way better, then we're not changing mm-hmm. it. And they did do way better here because in in the game, you meet Bill and he's just kind of unhinged. You can tell that he's been alone for way too long. And you find out he had a partner named Frank, but mm-hmm. it's heavily implied that his partner was like a business partner type thing. Um, well, there's like some... Uh... Not so subtle hints that about his sexuality. They're literally slap you in the face things that I yes. have to admit I didn't really pick up on <laughs> playing the game. Yeah, playing the playing young, the game. It's it's. I think it's more. It's like, background. Yeah, it's more background. But like when you're reading some of the things and you're hearing some of the talking, you you can't really tell. But it it does sound like the relationship he has is more is a little less than what. Joel and Tess had, which in the game, mm-hmm. when you're when you're playing the game, it's more implied that Joel and Tess have just like a business relationship that kind of flirts on the other end. Whereas in mm-hmm. this, you get it the other way. So, and um, in the game, uh, you know, one of the things we did miss out on is that Bill actually gets to meet Ellie, mm-hmm. uh, which of course is not possible in the show. Um, but. And and they have this like wonderfully antagonistic relationship that's really funny and is you know is is sad that we don't we'll never get to see but um, also what happens is that once Bill rescues you and you do a bit of walking around collecting items uh, you discover you discover Frank who is dead as he is in the show present day but dead in a very different manner he's hanged himself somewhat recently and left a note, a suicide note for Bill that basically talks about how much he hates Bill. <laughs> so yeah. totally different. He's basically just like, I hate you. You suck. 
and I wish I'd never met you. And I'll you're the you reason fat. I'm like, killing just... myself. <laughs> yeah. So instead, we get this absolutely beautiful love story that I'm going to be honest with you. I didn't think like even even going through the episode, like we're halfway through the episode. I'm like, all right, any moment now, uh, Ellie and mm-hmm. <laughs> and, uh, and and Joel are going to show up and we're going to get into the story. And we didn't. And normally, I think that would have bothered me, but it was so well done that I just didn't care. Yeah, they subverted our expectations of, as game players, which what I like that they're doing with the show over and over again is like, sure, you've played the game, so you're, you're going to expect some things. They stay very true to the actual character arc in the game, like what happens emotionally to each character, but at the same time, subverting your expectations. So even if you play the game, it's not going to be spoiled for you. And I, I really like that, because otherwise, like, if I want the game, I'm just going to go play the game. Uh, and I have to admit, my if it wasn't for this episode, I swear to God, my wife would have lost interest in the show. Mm. Like, because because what they do with the show is they really make it about people, right? And like personal lives and emotions. And uh, she, you know, she's enjoying it. She loves zombie stuff. But I swear to God, this episode has her hooked now. And I'm so grateful for them because I really was enjoying watching it with her to see her reactions. Like, kind of like why I'm sad BB's not here because I like to get BB's reactions. But I'm telling you, you want to make a popular show on HBO. This is how you do it. This is how you bring in mass audience and not just like gamer nerds like us. Yeah. And um, it's just it's just so well done. And I kept waiting for the moment where like the relationship was going to crumble and we were going to come to the tragic and mm-hmm. like and, and tragic as in like like hateful. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and that you see in the video game. And so I kept being really, really nervous about that. But it never came. And it was a wonderful turn of events. You know, and um, and and when we first started doing like the cold open part, I was like, because I was waiting for the cold open. I was really excited for it. it. Didn't come. And but then they like start doing the flashback. And I got really concerned that because when they do the flashback, they close up on these clothes mm-hmm. that were worn by a mother and her like infant child. And the flashback is basically like we look at the clothes and then suddenly we see the clothes on the people when they were alive. And you're just <laughs> waiting, for, waiting the, for yeah, to see the execution. And you're like, no. and I was like, I don't want to watch that. And they didn't show it to us, which was no. great. It was just a good way to transition to to Bill's story. And yeah. I was like, oh, no, this is going to be the story of this poor mother and, and child. And then and then it like cuts to Bill. And I was like, oh, OK. Uh, by the way, I want to point out that, like, even though Joel, again, we talked about this last time, Joel's trying to project this air about himself that he doesn't care about others, he just cares about himself. But it's very at, uh, evident right here in this scene that he he does care because he tells Ellie, like, hey, get over here, I don't, I don't want you to see this. Because he's trying to protect her from mm-hmm. a gruesome fate that met people that didn't have, they didn't have to meet. And it shows that he, he does care. There is that love there yeah. that he he's trying to shut out, but it's he's still a dad and he still has it. It also reinforces what they're escaping from. That you know the Nazis, which by the way, there's so many good lines in this episode. That there's so much good <laughs> comedy in this episode between uh, uh, Frank and Bill. I don't, and By the way, can I just? I give don't a think shout the out government to... are Nazis. They're not Nazis. Well, now they now are. they are. They really are. are. <laughs> No, there's so many good, like, we could click through how many good lines there are. This is, I think, in this episode had more, like, just one-liners that I will quote 
you know, over and over again than any other episode previously. And I do want to give a shout out to Murray Bartlett, um, who's in everything. You know how this happens with an actor where Pedro Pascal being case in point, that they get cast and suddenly they pop up in all these shows all at once, which is funny because how movies and shows film, shoot, and then like release is totally crazy. Like you never know if a film's coming out this year, next year. And so I've seen Murray Bartlett now. He was in um, the Chippendales show, which I highly recommend watching. He's great in it. Uh, he was in White Lotus first season. And he was one of the standout stars in a, in a packed cast. Uh, yes. So I just want to give him a little credit because I really like this actor and I'm glad to see him popping up over and over again. Yes. I mean, the performances were incredible across the board. And I, I know there's like a lot of love for Nick Offerman and, and I'm I'm here for it. And mm-hmm. I want to get on the train too. But Murray Abraham, I was like, absolutely blown away by to me actually he edges out just a little bit because of the complexity of his character but um but i mean it's 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 not a competition okay (laughs) so 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 i agree with you but i think the reason why and here's my only problem and it's such a small nitpicky problem with with this whole entire thing nick offerman is not that far in, in this as bill he's not that far off from ron swanson in Parks and Rec. <laughs> yeah. He's just a little less goofy. Exactly. And I can't, yeah. like, while he's going through this, I'm like, I'm having a hard time not picturing Ron Swanson. Especially when uh, they're they're eating the strawberries together and he does the patent uh, Nick the Offerman laugh. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah. I'm like, all right, now I, I, I'm back in Ron Swanson moment. Like, yeah. it's like, it was a little hard for me to try You should have and... busted out the saxophone at some point. <laughs> it's a Take big old a sax bath solo. in my jazz. But I mean, we got the we got the nice piano rendition of uh, wow, I'm blanking on uh, Linda Ronstadt. Linda Ronstadt, yep. Uh, that I think he. I did want that well. album now. I'm totally gonna find that album on vinyl and get it. Um, but yeah, I thought they both did a great job. Uh, Nick Offerman, just again, I, every time I see him I'm, I'm, and hear him, I always think Ron Swanson. And when you're talking about. Um, the government being a bunch of jackboots and uh, <laughs> and whatnot. Not today. It's, yeah, it's like yeah. it's like come on, a little I too mean, on the nose. Yeah, he was so great, but I I will say, as far as like convincingly playing, you know, a gay man in this dystopian world, I did find murray bartlett more believable but he mm-hmm. does have the edge as an actual gay man yeah well <laughs> what, what i love though is they cast him for that reason they were like listen we it's about representation but it also the fact that it's murray bartlett's like awesome like he's a great actor incredible but actor. i think it really adds a sense of of realness to it where you get to see their relationship and some of my favorite moments in this entire uh you know episode were the the relationship moments because they felt very true to life to any especially anyone who's like you know norman iron or 40s like this is what it's like to be in a relationship it ain't all easy right so right. seeing them go through those struggles uh but also like you know nick offerman uh, i'm sorry bill has uh you know he has the protection on lockdown like he's the most valuable person to have in a zombie apocalypse because he has all the resources and all the you know the skill and the know-how but let's be real like and it's something that always bothered me about these shows. Like, you can't survive with just that. Like, you will kill yourself. You'll hang yourself like you did in the video game because you need some sense of beauty and, and living for something. And that's what this episode is about. It's like, it's not enough just to survive. You need to thrive, right? You need to have, like, beauty in your life and love in your life. And that, that to me, was, like, exactly what I want to see in a, in a, 
a post-apocalyptic show, the reality of it. And this is why I always bring up the show Station Eleven, because that's what that show, that, that great show on HBO Max, which everybody should watch, is all about. This idea that like art and beauty is like what will save us. So I thought this was like a really necessary episode because you know we know what's coming. Us gamers, <laughs> we know the horrors that are coming. So I felt like this was a really necessary episode to have in the middle of the series. So what I really liked about this episode was like right in the middle, uh, Frank and Bill are having an argument. And you're like, oh, what triggered this argument? And basically, uh, Frank is just like, and I want to see people. I want to. I want to have parties and stuff. <laughs> and, we need friends. We need friends. Exactly. I've been talking to this woman on the radio, and you see Nick Offerman, like Frank or Bill, gets like, like, wait, what? You've been talking to her. Like, what? what? <laughs> and I'm, lo- I was loving it because it was this totally human moment of like, yes, everything has gone haywire around you, but yet mm-hmm. this is still a very human thing. And the idea of that that the isolation is getting to one but not the other, I don't know. It, it just it just we all just such... lived through it in the pandemic. There's some yeah. people who have thrived during the pandemic that loved being alone, and there's other people like me who are like going freaking stir crazy, which is why we started doing this podcast because I like needed friends. <laughs> like I totally get where they're where he's coming from. I mean, it felt very like I said, very real. Yeah, well, I think it was. I think the sol- the solitude was getting to both of them. It's just mm-hmm. that. Uh, you know, Bill was like not going to acknowledge it until it was too late. Yeah, because he doesn't acknowledge any of his feelings. Yeah. Um, by the way, again, favorite moment is when they first meet the meet cute, where he's in the uh, in the trap, and he's like, "Yo, do you have any weapons?" And he takes a while, and he's like, "No," and he's like, "Why did he take so long to answer?" Because I was trying to think up a lie, <laughs> and I just couldn't, or whatever. Like so these. Like I, I was said, trying to decide if lying was of better le- yeah. or something like that. Exactly. These moments of levity, though, that really work because they feel so awkward, right? I just really, this episode just was surprising to me over and over again. And I, I really appreciated the humor because how dramatic and sad, well, I shouldn't say sad, how bittersweet uh, the whole story is. I felt, I just felt like the flirting was so well done, too. Like, mm-hmm. he gets him out of this hole. Uh, we get our ladder moving moment. <laughs> Uh, yes, I, I <laughs> mentioned it. Every time there's a ladder in the show, I mentioned it to everyone in the room, by the way. <laughs> and then he gets out and and Bill's like, mentally like, oh, he's cute. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> then <laughs> invites him in and <clears throat> all in this pretense of like, you're going to leave after this meal. But, you know, he's like pouring the, the Beaujolais <laughs> with the rabbit and he's just like, I know I don't seem like this kind of man. And Frank is just like, no, you do, <laughs> with the eyes. And I'm just like, oh, this is some, this is some older man flirting at its mm-hmm. at its finest. <laughs> it's so funny too because they remind me so much of uh, my wife's uncle Steve and Steve, who are Missouri to the bone. They drink, you know, um, hams or whatever, like they're. Uh, they're both and, Steve. And, and like the tall boys, whatever. And they have flannels and they have like facial hair. And, you know, they've been living together for decades and they finally got married this past year. But I'm like, it's great to see that kind of representation because you so rarely see gay men that actually are like in real life, like how they actually are, not the stereotype. Uh, And I think that's one of the reasons people have been freaking out over this. You heard how it got like review bombed, right, on IMDb. I did not hear about that because I I didn't even seek it out because I just exactly don't want it. Uh, Exactly. (laughs) I'm with Emily on this. I only know this because of... uh, my brother was texting me and he was like, can you believe it? And I was like, yeah, I totally can believe it. But I'm like, part of the problem is, you know, people are, they're not used to seeing a lot of this stuff on television. 
but it's like it's finally television reflecting real life and it's just too much for people they just don't want to admit it that like the culture has moved on you know get with it yeah. uh, it's so odd to me and there there was yeah. there was absolutely nothing wrong with what they showed it wasn't like they got graphic with it it wasn't like they got i mean the most graphic they, they got was graphic graphic guys in bed story. kissing come on <laughs> No, they got graphic in the game. They had the gay porn. She joked about it being stuck together, which I didn't, I totally <laughs> skipped this over in my head. Probably because I was like running for my life in the game. Right. And it's like, who cares about anyone's sexuality when you're running for your life? Um, but anyway, the, yeah, it was like way less graphic in the, uh, in the show than even in the game. And they, you know, still, you can't please anyone anymore. So. But yeah, I mean, I guess like people want their gay male representation to be like young, white, really like attractive. traditionally attractive uh washboard either, abs yeah know, the... who are either like the gay best friend that never has sex or yeah yeah <laughs> or you know the opposite of that and that's just that just doesn't the, reflect the, most of reality. the guy who shows up just for the fashion advice yeah exactly, exactly. That, that 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 old trope he's also well, um... played by a straight man <laughs> Well, I was going to say that uh, what's cool about this episode, which I did not realize until like listening to podcasts on it and reading about it, is that the you know so many people involved in the production were gay. Like the director of this episode was gay, the editor was gay. It's like so they were able to inject their own perspective into the show in in a, in a way that I think is more real. Granted, as I was saying with Norm, like one of the things that resonated with me wasn't whether it was gay or straight, is the fact that seeing people in their forties go through like a rough relationship is what kind of resonated more with me, and that's universal, I think. I think what resonated most with me was it, uh, quite a few things, actually. Like, Bill and Frank look like they come from completely different walks of life. Like, absolutely mm. completely. Um, if, I, if I were to put money on it, I would, I, would, I would put money on which one was a Republican and which one was a Democrat. I'd put money mm -hmm. on which one has been outside of the United States and which one has, hasn't been outside of their own state unless they serve their house. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I could put like a lot of, you know, opposition on, on both of them, but it, it was, it was nice to see like, this was actually a very beautiful love story. And if you're mm -hmm. dumping on it just because it was two gay guys, you're missing the 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 overall arching point, and that is that we as humans need love, and we will seek it out, mm -hmm. no matter if we are a cellar dwelling, um, anti government person who thinks that the world's going to end at any moment, so they have their bunker with a ton of guns, or not. Like these people want, we all want love. Mm -hmm. Or you're like a a a white liberal Massachusetts gay <laughs> who's been out since they were five. <laughs> exactly. And, you know, we're all seeking love. We're, we're all trying to find it. And the fact that they found it during this this apocalypse. And, and it, they get and they won. And they won. They died together. So, yeah, if you talk about ways to go out, I was like, that's how you go. And I, I was worried about this, too, because, again, we're talking about the game. And so when it got to that dinner, which, by the way, like, it was a slow creep on me on this episode. Everybody else in my family seemed to be very affected by it throughout the whole thing. And I was like, oh, it was pretty, but I'm not. And then that dinner just wrecked me where he, when he said, like, there was already uh, poison in, in the wine, a, wasn't it? And he's like, enough, enough to drop a, a horse. And that's when it got me because I was like, why would he keep living? Like, if I was him, I'm like, there's nothing to live for. Just kill yourself too, bro. And then I kept, he did. I was still and I was waiting. Like, oh, perfect. So I was still waiting for the breakup because I was like, he yes, didn't do it. He didn't do it. It's like fake powder, right. and then he's not going to die, and he'll never forgive him for not letting him die. 
That's what I mean. It totally watching playing the game actually was probably better for this episode because it completely messed with your expectations. Yes. Um, I will say I, I, I kind of held it together all the way up until the note when uh, oh. when when Ellie finds the note from from Bill uh, that's addressed to Joel or anybody anybody who finds this, mm-hmm. but probably Joel. Um, and it gets to the point where like, please don't open the uh, the bedroom. I'm sure it's mm-hmm. it's not a pretty sight by now. I I I I got choked up, man. That was yeah. That was sad and and beautiful and and everything about that episode. Just like you know, like that's where all like wow they they did win. They you know yeah. and then the ending with where Joel and Ellie are, are driving out and you hear that Linda Ronstadt that song playing. I'm like yeah. oh come on, just heart wrench me a little perfect. bit more. <laughs> But it was beautiful. Yeah. And do you know what, what gets loved, actually... Yeah. Oh, sorry. You go, Emily. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I love the end of the letter, too, where he's basically like, you know, protect protect your people. And it's it's about him and Tess. And obviously, mm-hmm. he doesn't know that Tess is dead now. Um, and I love that, like... Because I think I think uh, Joel like he like crumbles the letter up really he like destroys it right after something. Yeah, he's pissed because he feels like a failure. Like mm-hmm. he's exactly. not going to be able so, to do, he's not going to be do, able to do what Bill was able to do. So like if that letter could have had like different effects, if it had said you know if he had known about Ellie and was like protect Ellie, you know maybe it would have been a completely different reaction. He w- would have walked away feeling like yeah, save who you can save, like Tess told him. Mm-hmm. But the, with this, it just highlighted his failure, and he's going to walk away a much more angry, upset person which we get to see <laughs> yes um well i think one of the things that gets overshadowed in this episode is how good of a job bella ramsey's doing and i loved her character in this for ellie uh where this this ellie seems even more twisted than in the game and i kind of like what they're doing with her where she literally goes up and just stabs the but first of all her like going underneath the floorboards where i was like what are you doing girl like don't go down there and then she goes and stabs the uh the oh right the, the almost not, clicker, clicker. That happened. almost clicker almost clicker it was it was it was sprouted yeah but like that was just i mean i like what they did with her there and uh and then her reading the note then her getting in the car where she's like and it, it was cool to see her be like oh yeah if you've never ridden in a car before that must be like a crazy experience and she's like it's like a spaceship tour i just all that like that her whole job she's doing as a as a character in this i'm just really impressed with her work and i you know so i'm i just want to make sure people don't leave her out of the discussion because it's mostly about you know rightly so uh, murray bartlett and and nick offerman but yeah i think bella ramsey is really putting in a great performance here um i just have one question for you guys uh about mm-hmm. this episode um what do you think frank was dying from uh ms i think was it cancer? I think I it was. It was a neurodegenerative. Yeah, it was. It was. A, it was definitely a degenerative disease. But like the the way that they portrayed both of their faces had me questioning that. Hmm. No, it's definitely a neurodegenerative whatever it is disease. Um, but at the same time, I don't know if they actually. I think in, they intentionally were vague about it. They, they definitely were. They st- yeah. all, the only thing that he said was they didn't have a cure for this before. Yeah. Why would they have one now? Which sucks. And actually, if you yeah. think about it, you know, end of life is hard now, <laughs> like getting end of life care and managing that properly. So it, it must be terrifying to think like, you know, what do you do when it's just you have one caregiver who's also old? So like they they made the right call is all I can say. I mean, 100 percent. Yeah. But but I'm, I'm glad that you highlighted uh, Bella Ramsey's role. And something that I'm noting is like 
they're like, oh, she's she's so much like Ellie, and I, and I agree in in terms of like the way that she acts and her personality, and she's kind of like rough around the edges because she's a kid who grew up in the apocalypse. Um, mm. But I but I love that we're starting to see like her actually being out in the real world is kind of starting to crack that veneer a little bit because she really she's starting to understand that she like truly is vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> but she does seem a lot more twisted in the show because in the game i didn't really think that she was all that twisted at all and no she was just kind of like a normal kid who cursed sometimes and be silly and she would and and (laughs) shoot and murder people she would also murder people in the yeah not murder but kill yeah but she had to (laughs) exactly though It it didn't feel like this level of almost like she might yeah. be psycho. Well, I mean, <laughs> I, like that. I, mean I, could, I could easily make the argument that she had to kill that uh, runner that was turning into a clicker. She should have, yeah. Because it was a humane thing to do. Not, not only that, but like you don't want it actually getting free once it goes full on clicker because it'll get a little bit more strength or whatever. So yeah, put it down know. now. She did have to kill it, but the whole like cutting it with a knife. Although, I mean, I can understand the curiosity too. There's like a science, yeah, there's <laughs> a science <laughs> element to it. I do. I do agree eyes, that it I don't was... know if she was scientific about it. <laughs> She's curious. She doesn't know. It's true. She like doesn't have parents, right? Yeah. She. Nobody knows whether or not. Um, you know, she she didn't know that there were clickers. She only knew that there were infected people, and that one accidentally bit her when she was in uh, an abandoned mall that she wasn't supposed to be in. So it was like. She's curious, and oh, does this hurt it? Does this no? This doesn't hurt. Okay, never mind. Boom. Yeah, science. You know what? It was actually a very innocent scene. That's that's what we're gonna go with. I'm gonna go with <laughs> sure. it. I'm gonna go okay. with it. I don't, I don't think it was as twisted as as Lucas is trying to wants it to be. <laughs> <laughs> I just like her being a little psycho. Can I get a gun? Can I get a gun? Can I get a gun? But I mean, listen. If I was in the apocalypse, would be like, yeah. yeah, kid, you need to learn how to shoot I would a gun. Also be you like, need to be trained on this gun. It's a mistake you never know. not to give me a gun. <laughs> it is though. I think it is a mistake personally. Like, if you live in that post-apocalyptic world, teach all your children how to shoot and to respect firearms in fact maybe we should be doing that now. that's another discussion it's definitely another discussion <laughs> anyway um, um yeah any other things that uh were like questions we had or um moments we want to kind of highlight before wrapping up this episode uh no i just want to say that after this episode i like this is this was like a, a little bit too much of a palate cleanser almost for what's about to happen mm-hmm. or what what I assume is about to happen. Maybe they might completely shock us in these next couple episodes and it won't be as suspenseful as as what the game was, but like Nah. If they do go suspenseful <laughs> after this Okay. When you Did go you back watch and the watch trailer them, for the next episode? <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay, me too, because I know what's coming and I remember this part of the game. It is a cool part of the game. Yes. So uh, but still, um Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's 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 gonna be a weird one to have this like smack dab like kind of in the in the early part of this sh- series and then to keep going, mm. it's gonna be like ooh. Well this Melanie like the... Linsky's in the next episode and I'm I, I really like her, so I'm excited to see how who she's playing in it. I see this as the like Legend of Zelda. the The sprite is like, it's dang, it's dangerous to go alone. Take this, <laughs> yeah, moment for us. Oh, what is what is Beaujolais? <laughs> like, what kind of Beaujolais wine is that? For, kind of wine. It's a red wine. I think it's like a light red. 
French, is this, obviously. Is this it, like it, common knowledge? Or? And, yeah, yeah. Beaujolais is a pretty. It's a. I like Beaujolais. Not not my favorite, red, but yeah. Okay, because I am not good. the kind of. No, no. Lu- uh, Lucas I, is I do the, not uh, look like a man who knows how to up, pair Beaujolais with rabbit. When we meet up in uh, and when I we beam down to New York in a couple of weeks, uh, we'll go have a Beaujolais. <laughs> nice, nice. But only will we have to have rabbit then? Sure, we'll find we'll find a, a place that that also serves serves rabbit. Oh, <laughs> it's totally doable. Yeah, you know, look, look. If you if you pay enough, you can find any kind of meat you want. <laughs> you can find anything in New York. Period. I, I, I don't even think rabbit would be particularly hard. Probably not. I'll work on it. So yeah, any other thoughts? Predictions? I mean, my prediction is that the next episode's going to get crazy. Like like Norm said, uh, this was a little bit of moment of respite because the, I think the rest of the series is going to be pretty hard hitting and dark. I assume I assume so, but I mean, after this episode, who knows? They might do it like. You know, this this next episode might be really, really tense, and the next one after that might be really, really tense. But the one after that might be like, oh, here's a sweet love story. <laughs> I could, yeah, we probably like, could use a, a palate cleanser for sure. Yeah, they're gonna have to place campfires. You know what I mean? <laughs> yes, I do. Yes. <laughs> so, I agree. I I don't. Yeah, we can't get too into uh, into detail with the predictions. We do kind of know what's going to happen, mm-hmm. uh, so. Uh, but yes, we our general prediction is that it's going to get difficult. <laughs> the suspense will return. Mm-hmm. Speaking of suspense, uh, should we go over now to the Legend of Vox Machina that left us on a little suspenseful cliffhanger with Pike getting skewered by Grog's sword? Yes. Which, spoiler! Spoiler. She didn't die. <laughs> we called she made this. Me saving throws. We called this. Yes. Exactly. Um, so yeah, what happened this on this past episodes seven, eight, nine? Well, the group gets split into two, and Scanlan, Pike, and Grog, uh, they're still in the regular realm, I guess you want to say. Yeah. But uh, Vax, Vex, and Percy are all in the Fey realm. Mm-hmm. And they're trying to find one of the pieces of... One of the vestiges. The vestiges, thank you. The vestiges, yes. Which is a bow that is hidden in a tree. So I guess we can talk about the Fey realm first, since that was the episode seven, uh, the first one we're going to talk about. But mm-hmm. the Fey realm is basically like a, a really good and really bad acid trip. <laughs> It definitely had some good acid trip in there. (laughs) And then it got a little dark, for sure. Um, But yeah, in this one, we actually get to meet the the father of... uh, Vax and Vax. Vax. um, Who's just a total jerk. Like, come on, man. Well, so so it is confirmed that, uh, obviously, the father is full-on high elf, and then uh, Vex and Vax are both half-elf. Which yeah. seems to really make their father angry for some reason. Even though, dude, you did that. It's not like, yeah. dude, you did that. It's like, it's like exactly. you you had a choice and you chose. This is what's going to happen. What were you expecting? Do you not understand how genetics work? <laughs> well, yeah. he's he's like a he's an elf racist, obviously. Um, <laughs> yeah, a purist. <laughs> but yeah, he's 
he's kind of like living proof of that idea that just being like a I have an Asian wife does not absolve you <laughs> of <laughs> How dare how dare you, my children, trope. be half of what me and your mother are. Yeah. Uh, can I just point out the incredible voice cast on this show this season? Um so we oh, get yeah. so when they're in the Fey realm, there's this weird um Mr. Tumnus like uh like a satyr. <laughs> a satyr, yeah, there's a satyr play voiced by Billy Boyd. Oh, By the way, did you yeah. recognize the voice? I was like, who is that? I had to look it up. I'm like, that sounds so familiar. And it's Billy For a second, I thought it was David Tennant. I was Scottish. Yes, that's that's where my mind was going. I was like, is that, Dave, is that Tennant again? Because they already used him. Yeah, we also get Trinket voiced by Cheech Marin. Yes, that was when the uh, spores get uh, annihilated. Uh, Keyleth and uh, Vexalia um, go on a drug trip. And in it... Uh, Trinket, the pet bear, starts talking. Talking, yeah. <laughs> and it's Cheech Marin. Um, I wonder if they're going to bring him back in the future as the voice. Maybe maybe not, because I don't think he really talks in real life. But I thought that was a really funny little uh, addition, because we all love Cheech Marin. For sure. Um, and, and then Thordrak, who's actually from um, the uncle of Grog, uh, is voiced by Lance Reddick, who I'm like... A super fan of he's from the wire he played D- lieutenant daniels in the wire that norm hates um and then also was in uh li- recently he was in the john wick series as the bell as the desk the front desk guy um for the assassin building whatever you call it anyway lance reddick is a wonderful actor and so i'm just impressed with the talent they're able to pull in for the show yeah. All these actors who are secret D&D fans. Sorry, my Apple Watch does not get me. <laughs> but yeah, any favorite moments besides the acid trips on this uh, episode on the Fey Realm? I mean, acid trip was hilarious. The acid trip that was, was hilarious. I, I mean, uh, Vexalia having to face her daddy issues with the uh, the fiend. Mm-hmm. That was that was interesting. Uh, the the action sequence was actually really fun to watch, uh, really well um, animated. Uh, I kind of like that we're seeing the relationship evolve between uh, Percival and and Vax. Uh, you know, obviously, I think he kind of has a little more crush on her and likes her more than it is reciprocated. But the fact that she's not a jerk about it, like there's a there's a, a warmth there that I really appreciate. Well, I, that I, they're starting to develop. I think that's part of the whole like she she can't open up because she still has this daddy issues, and I think that's what mm-hmm. what's kind of being portrayed there. But I think at the end of this episode, you're starting to get the idea that she's again. I said uh, letting go might be part of the. Uh, Mm-hmm. That's the theme. The, the theme here, and it seems like she's letting go of her trauma with her dad, so that she can like experience love, which is something Emilia you mentioned. Um, Scanlan's out to find love. Now, I'm not saying those two are going to start, but I'm saying what I am saying is that like, um, I think Vexalia now is opening up f- to find love, just like Scanlan kind of is. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I actually have a, a very light criticism that I kind of understand why like the reasoning for it and it's that so Vexalia has a situation has that she dies right and then gets brought back to life and it becomes the catalyst for this um relationship between Percival and Vax to like deteriorate and then slowly evolve and reform itself and I really like that storytelling because it's really interesting to watch that that relationship but I'm also just like she died (laughs) 
And why are we not talking about her experience and like her relationship with Vax and Percival? And it seemed like a missed opportunity, but I think it's like they needed to make room for this other set of development that she's going to go through, that she did go through with the daddy her issues. father. And so I just like, to me, it's like a missed opportunity, but mm-hmm. an understandable one. Yeah, I think they had to make a choice on, you know, because there's so many characters. This is the thing that is actually kind of impressive about this show. They have so many different characters, but everybody gets their time, right? They, they mm-hmm. spend time on each of the characters to flush them out more. Uh, which, by the way, Grog has been, for me, the surprising uh, character in this entire uh, second season because they're, they are mining him for more story. And, uh, and by the way, again, one of the best additions to the voice cast is we get Henry Winkler as Wilhelm Trickfoot. Uh, again, I was like, what is that voice? That guy sounds so familiar. And I was just watching Barry. If you've never watched Barry on HBO, it is so good. Oh, I mean, he's one of the best on parts about it. Um, for years. But it, yeah, Henry Winkler is really one of the best, the reasons to watch that show. Uh, he's so good in it. But so, so him popping up in this was just such a, he's a good voice actor too, like what he's yeah. able to do. Um, but anyway, we get to see how Grog in the next episode, I guess, which is the, um, uh, what is it called? The Echo Tree. We actually get to see Grog's uh, origin story where he went from being, and that's how we actually meet the Raiders. Remember, her, we were like, at some point, we're going to meet Grog's family, mm-hmm. and we do. Uh, and it turns out they are savages. <laughs> they're, at, they're total jerk savages who are, you know, marauding the countryside, getting riches for these dragons. And, um, but we get to see his, originally where he was marauding with them, killing people indiscriminately, but then he meets uh, Wilhelm Trickfoot and he sees the locket on his neck and it makes him a better person. Uh, and then we get a weakened Grog, which is kind of nice where he's totally like a wuss because so, he breaks himself from the sword. So, yeah, I was, I was going to say we, sh- we should talk about the fact that uh, he frees himself from the sword by breaking the sword. And when he breaks the sword, this insane amount of blood just blood. comes <laughs> flying out of it. It was like evil dead yeah. amount of blood. Yeah. All the sword that all the uh <laughs> past meals i guess <laughs> they yes, just regurgitated exactly. it all and when, after when you next see grog he's skinny he's not he, and yeah. he's so he's weak felt. he's felt no no and he's so weak that he can't he can't even walk yeah and the sword's like i'm taking you down with me so <laughs> <laughs> steals all of his strength which is i think it was such an interesting way to develop grog because that's like his defining trait and mm-hmm. so if you take that away, who is he? It's very classic. That's like the, you know, Superman loses his powers in Superman 2. It's a very, like, classic thing to do, and it works. I mean, there's a reason it works, like, as you said, Emilia, because that's his defining characteristic. What is he if you remove it? Um, and there is, one, again, one of my favorite, like, character moments is when, although I guess it's in the next episode in 9, but when he says, uh, it's like, you, you, he wants to stay and fight and and challenge his uncle and they're like yeah but you're weak dude you're gonna lose and he's like it's strength isn't just about beating people up with your fists it's about standing up for your family and what's right and uh and i was like that thank you that's a great message because as you can see that his entire you know all of his race of people are just like they use strength to oppress people so he's going to use strength to stand up for what's right and i thought that was like good that's a good message to and but as as norm was saying part of it is he has to then heal from his past, right? Get over the, the, the mental blocks in his head and, and face his past, I guess, yeah. is what we would say. That is the theme. I think you nailed it. 
the the idea of him at the very end of the 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 three episodes that dropped him just standing there challenging his uncle who just beat down his own son by the way um, who's huge who's enormous you know, physically like a mountain. En- enormous um and we find out that he's actually wearing um one of the vestiges as well the the storm storm gauntlets i think they call yeah. them um storm uh, storm tight thunder gauntlets <laughs> Storm Titan. Well, he calls them the Titan Stone Knuckles. That's what. It is. That's what it is. But Thunder guns. I don't know if they have a real name. <laughs> um, so yeah, you see those, and they happen to be, you know, Grog's size. You know, Vexalia the, got the, the bow. Grog's... Shocking enough. Yep, yep. You know. <laughs> wonder. The, well, Grog's all. Grog's all skinny. How is he going to fight? That's what I love. It's a good, like, you know, underdog story. Classic. Yeah, underdog how's he going to wear those gauntlets? So, slip right off. Huh? He, <laughs> well, I mean, at one point when uh, Scanlan and Pike were dragging him, uh, Grog did lose his pants. Um, oh, Grog. <laughs> and it turns out Scanlan has some nursing ability as we see him shove a uh, something where the sun don't shine. <laughs> for, I like how quickly he stood up to, to do that. I'll do this. Yes, I got I some bones. <laughs> That was, <laughs> that was the other thing about this episode, about this set of episodes is that like we really Scanlan is a true friend. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like he's the he's the realest of friends. Uh I mean I know that Pike and Grog are closer, but I'm just like but Scanlan will he's there like 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 a true friend, you know, he's there for the dark moments. <laughs> Dragging He'll do him the around, dirty work. Doing the getting his hands dirty. Look, look, look. In this in the, this set of episodes, yes, but in the previous set of episodes, he was willing to play song uh, song for Grog while he pooped to try and help yeah, him out. Exactly. He is a friend. Exactly. He's a true friend. <laughs> he didn't. Again, I, I mentioned this last time. He asked no questions, no contest. Just, just did it. <laughs> Everyone needs a friend like that. Yes, for sure. I agree. I like to think I'm kind of that friend. I'll show up and I'll do the dirty work. No questions asked. Um, one of the things, though, that was fun about Scanlan's storyline is, first of all, I like that he, on his own, like turns into that little uh, uh, dragonfly and just like goes into behind enemy lines. That was like very bold. And then he meets all the the villagers there, and uh, and then he really is like, "You guys have heard of me." <laughs> like he gets the, you get to see that little oh, selfish wait. streak of his. Um, and then he meets the musical troupe. Um, which is fun. You can see there's obviously a, a potential love interest thing forming there between another halfling uh, and him. So, yeah, it was, he, he's getting some stuff to do. And I'm really hoping, though, that in the, the final episode, right? We only have one episode left. Well, well one one set, I think. I think uh, One set of episodes. Yeah. Okay. Um, I hope after this we actually get to see at least a little bit more of his, you know, he has to get some vestiges, right? Or at least something has to happen to, to For give sure. him a, a He needs some kind of arc. recognition. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure they will though, because like as I've said, it's, it feels like each of the characters, Pike, you know, Pike now has her grandfather who shows up. Um, although, what is going to happen with Pike? Because I feel like she's the only one who hasn't really been, you know, well, challenged. Well, I feel I feel like last the first season focused a lot on Percival and Pike, um, mm-hmm. Pike losing the Everlight and finding out she didn't lose the Everlight. She just kind of shut the Everlight point, out. Yeah. And Everlight uh, Perc- was within us all all along. Yeah. <laughs> No, she had to accept that her friends, who were a bunch of scoundrels, that her religion would forgive her. For the the real Everlight was the friends we made along the way. <laughs> yeah, yes, thank you. Exactly. So, yeah, I, I, I mean, even still, uh, I think she's not taking too much of a backseat here, but she kind of is only because she had so much spotlight last 
And you're right, Percival is the same. Yeah. They, they got heavily focused on his storyline, and so he's kind of taking a backseat. Okay, understood. Yeah. I, Although I'd like, I really liked meeting Pike's great great grandfather. Yes. Oh, yeah. I hope we get some that more of him. That was really nice. Yeah, because they have such a sweet relationship. <laughs> I mean, him and Grog have a good it's relationship, nice to too, so that's fun. Yeah, that backstory was was really well done. Although it's a bit like, I would still be scared of him. <laughs> yeah, <it was> <laughs> but Pike's great great grandfather is more learned and wiser than I am, <laughs> and and had many a years being friends with Grog, so that that also helps. Um, the best part of that those episodes uh, might have yeah when he stands up to his uncle, but also when they're about to escape the city. And Grog's like, all right, go, go. And everyone, like, oh, we'll let Grog show you guys the way. He'll lead the way. And they're all, like, really timid of Grog. And Grog's like, no, never mind. I got to I gotta change mm-hmm. this perception of how people see not only me, but my kind. Mm-hmm. And to see him so, uh, about to stand up against the Horde or whatever is... So for predictions, this is a good segue into predictions, I predict he's going to defeat his uncle, not through strength, but through, you know being wise because remember the whole point of his of, of the questioning of his character is like where does your strength come from um so it's not going to be physical strength as we're seeing got ripped from him uh but it may also be his friendships that he's made along the way uh will show up to help him out and aid him but i do think he's going to win the battle get the vestiges but then also rally his people to be better and i think that's going to be his story arc is turn them against the dragons because they seemed kind of you know, ready to do that. So <laughs> Except I, the uncle won't let him. I, I, I feel this is going to be more of a constitution-based uh, fight for Grog instead of mm-hmm. strength. I think he's going to outlast his his uncle. He's going to be he's going to he's going to do the Steve Rogers. I can do this all day. Um, <laughs> I think I think well, he's going to do that. And and I think the, he's going to do the Hulk Hogan where he yeah. um, like. Can, and I, I, can you hear me, brother? And, and I he do calls to the crowd. I yeah. do see him rallying his people, and I have a funny feeling there's going to be some flashbacks to that monk being like, "Where's your strength yeah. come from? Where does yeah?" I I also wonder, Norm. I think your prediction is more likely to happen, but I, I could potentially see some of the townspeople that have been terrorized like playing a role, not Ooh. like a big one, yeah. but. But a significant one where they, yeah, they come in and and help him in some small way that helps turn the tide. Any other predictions? Only three episodes left. Oh, here's my prediction. Uh, They're not going to fight the Chroma Conclave by the end of this, uh, these next three episodes. You don't think so? I don't think think so. You think it's going to carry into the next season? I do. Oh, okay. That's my prediction. would be a lot to wrap up. That's what I'm saying. My prediction is the Chroma Conclave is going to turn on each other that's what i said from the beginning that it's they're never going to actually have to fight all the dragons because they just have to break apart their unity and then it's going to you know yeah, turn on each other they, that's my prediction they, they might There's fight already... one of them they might the acid dragon yeah. they might fight but not yeah i think that not think not the, the entire not not the not not all three of them definitely not all three mm-hmm. yeah because there's already there's already lines forming within the conclave too with this this one human it's hard to say they always have the uh What's that? Humanoid. The up. Yeah, they always have the, the hood up, so you can't really... Humanoid character. It is a good question of who that is, though. Was it was it Grog or... It was Scanlan who was like, hmm, that, na- that voice sounds familiar. So mm-hmm. I think that's going to be an interesting and story. And if you point. remember... That's still a mystery. Yeah, and if you remember in the first three episodes, Percy goes to a, a firearms, a black powder dealer, and they say, oh, you're my second customer. I don't get many. And he's like... And he's like, oh, it was a woman. And 
the person with that acid dragon's a woman, so I wonder maybe the same person. She's a black powder user. And she's friends with Percy, and therefore maybe Scanwin knows a little bit there. Mm. Okay. But there's, yeah, there's this divide within dragons that I can see being exploited by this mysterious humanoid figure, too, um, who has clearly her own agenda of some kind, but they're like, you know, the, the, the head dragon doesn't seem to care about the vestiges because it's calling them mankind's baubles and only cares about gold. And I don't think every dragon is fully on board with that. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, we're looking forward to the next three episodes that are going to be dropping this week and we'll be covering it on the next episode of the verse. Uh, well, make sure you subscribe to the verse wherever you find your favorite podcasts, Apple, Google, Stitcher, Spotify, etc., etc. Uh, share us with a friend or on your social media pages and tag us and we'll give you a shout out. Nice n- nice job uh, pronouncing Google there, by the way. Uh, oh. Lucas, uh, Bridget <laughs> hey, would be I'm proud. I'm a professional. <laughs> and Spotify. <laughs> and Spotify, yeah. yeah. Sportify and Google. Spotify, um, I think she said. <laughs> <laughs> we love you, BB. Hurry back. Um, so until next time, if you want to follow me, Lucas Longacre, you can follow me at Luconian Logic on Instagram and on Twitter. Uh, since BB's not here, you can follow, but you... Yeah, she's not here with us right now, but if you want to follow her, you can follow her on Twitter and Instagram at BridgetBrogan16. And if you want to follow me, Norm Felker, you can follow me on Twitter at random underscore white guy. And if you want to follow me, you can find me on Twitter at EmilyAU. And finally, there's our producer, Stephen Prusikowski, who was last seen battling some jellyfish spore thingies, and they just exploded all over him, and I'm sure that that won't have any hallucinogenic properties. What a long, strange trip it will be. (laughs) Uh, He can be found on Twitter and letterboxed as at Filmsnork. Well, there's our music. Thanks for listening. Keep sending in those questions and comments on our Twitter page at TheVerseCast. And we'll see you next time in The Verse. The Verse is presented by ScreenRadar.com and produced by Steven Kruzikowski. Your homegrown, home-cooked apocalypse meal? But I like that it's homegrown, because let's be real, like, all this foraging, I'm like, come on, listen. Yeah, because if it's You're like... You're going to have to learn to grow we some just, food raided the grocery store then it's like just a regular meal okay so i mean i can start this off uh i've said a a few times on this podcast that i don't cook to entertain i don't cook to uh to uh wow people i cook for survival and uh that leads me to these two interesting facts about me one um growing up i kind of had a hunt uh, to put food on the table with, and it sounds weird to say that in modern day context, but we kind of did we to uh, help with the with mounting bills and whatnot growing up. Yeah, you can father. stretch the uh, the food budget exactly. Norm is from Pennsylvania, as am I. So yes, I understand. So so deer hunting. So already the first ingredient of my home cooked meal is venison. So mm-hmm. uh, probably venison yeah. steaks. Um, and one thing that I'm really good at growing is hot peppers. Uh, they're apparently very easy. Ooh, nice. I don't have what I would call a green thumb, but uh, I can grow uh, jalapenos and habaneros and, and, and mm-hmm. chilies really well. So there's my second ingredient. And the other thing I'm actually very good at, again, because they're super simple, is strawberries. So I'm guessing oh, okay. I'm going to make a nice little um, uh, steak, venison steak, 
with some uh, strawberry and um, like some sweet and spicy uh, hints. Norm, to it. you're so full of it. That sounds delicious. That's not yeah, like survival. a hot, like that a strawberry hot pepper awesome. jam. Exactly. Yeah, and just yeah. like like. Make make it into like I don't know if I'd are you able to have toast though? Are you growing grains to make toast? I I don't grains that would wild grains that's hard and I I have no idea how to process grain to bread, (laughs) so (laughs) uh, it would just be like oh yeah and and here's some chopped up grains just chew on them. (laughs) (laughs) It'd be on the plate a little decoration. Are are are, are you you just use the picky teeth afterwards? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You got me thinking though, Norm. So I live on a farm. We grow so much food here. I also have 11 chickens. So, yes, I'm going to go for breakfast. I'm good at breakfast. That is my meal. Oh, God, have, I thought you were going to say one of those chickens is dying today. <laughs> no, no. Why kill them? They, they do protein over and over again. Unless, you know, we have more, if more show up, I will maybe sacrifice one to be a good fried chicken. But at the same time, um, omelet, potatoes. We grow a lot of potatoes in Idaho. I would do some um, some hash browns. A nice omelet, which I can make a very French-style omelet. Uh, even better, I would go to the – we have the river near us. I can catch a trout in the river, uh, bring that trout home, smoke it, and I could have some uh, smoked trout and an omelet with some potatoes. And, you know, we could grow grains here, and honestly, we have all the capabilities to do all this stuff. So I would be able to also potentially grow my own bread. Granted, here's the question. Are the spores active in the wild bread? I don't know. Maybe I shouldn't take the risk. Yeah, I, cut, I, I, I wouldn't the take the now. risk. Wait, do you right, know so how to just be... go from wheat to bread? Yeah, I mean, we could. Do, I could do it, and also I would need some um, a starter yeast. But anyway, you know what? I'm going to cut the bread out and just go smoked fish, uh, a smoked trout omelet with uh, my you know, all these vegetables from the garden. You're right, hot peppers. We grew some really good hot peppers last year. Uh, so I'd put those in there with some le- leafy greens. We had some good, we grew a lot of good um, uh, lettuces and radicchio. So I'd have like a nice little side salad with it. Oh, gosh. Okay. So this this was a really good question for you guys, but terrible one for me. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how to grow anything. I've never grown anything. I've actually killed a few plants. <laughs> so I'm like in the negatives for- You murdered some plants. Gotcha. For that. Um I mean, I can cook as a skill I have. So, but I think my meal would actually have to be forged <laughs> from canned goods. All I can tell you is Norman and I are going to hear, hello? Oh, it's Emilia. She's visiting. <laughs> you like, she brought some, a bottle of Beaujolais. eggs missing from my chicken coop. <laughs> Those darn foxes, and you just see Emily in the middle of the night <laughs> tiptoeing away. All right, so uh, what would you forage? What would you be looking for to go forage? So there's a there's a few like pantry dishes that I really enjoy. Um, I'm a big fan of spam because oh, yeah. spam I I grew up eggs, eating baby. it. Um, and and people this was before spam was trendy, so everybody thought it was weird at the time. But we used to eat it in hot pot all the time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a very common thing in like Hawaii. I would say Hawaii other... absolutely Philippi- loves spam. the Philippines yeah. as well. Yeah. Philippines, I grew up South with Philippine with spam and eggs and white rice is so freaking good. So I'd forge some spam, fry that up, you know. Um, I'm going to assume that, like, rice might be a risk, perhaps, because otherwise I, I would do rice and I eggs. I think wheat's a risk, but not rice. They never said that it was a... I say go for it. We don't. And, what we're um, saying is we don't know what grains are affected as of right now. Still some, like, uh, 
I would do like a like a college brunch. So mm-hmm. we have some fried spam, get some canned refried beans. <laughs> Wait a second. I'd steal some eggs from Lucas's chicken coop. <laughs> <laughs> you can just borrow them. I mean, we, I got 11 chickens. What, what? I'm not going to be able to give them back. <laughs> Wait, wait a second. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Hold, wait, wait. I just realized something here. Almost everything that Emily, Emily, that we talked about in The Last of Us in the, the, the first episode, people were eating a bunch of wheat products. All those wheat products were cooked at high temperatures. Cookies aren't no-bake. They didn't make no-bake cookies. They made cookies that you had to throw in the oven and bake at a high temperature of, like, 350-plus. That so, would have killed the the <laughs> organism. Don't tell me otherwise. I so, know this. So uh, I was I was watching the film theory episode on this. Okay. <laughs> and right. they brought this up. They were like, oh, but you have to bake these all of these things. They get processed and uh, and cooked at high temperatures. So how could any spores survive? Good question. And apparently, um, according to like the FDA or something, the like there's they track like spores and bugs and stuff that are in our food. And apparently the amount of spores, there's still a a significant amount of spores in cooked and baked products, baked uh, wheat Especially if you don't bake it all the way through, because sometimes the best cookies are a little. Oh, yeah, that that is true. (laughs) But um, I don't I don't know exactly why they're still there. It could be like that when they're. Yeah, I, I don't have an explanation. If you don't bake exactly. it all the way through, but, that could happen. But but you are saying after they are baked, they 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 continue to be present. Present. Yes, although I'm not mm. sure if that's because they were baked in a factory, and the spores got on later in the process, or if they're saying the spores survived, because that would okay. See see not, that part I can understand the the contamination of pre baked, but if they're already baked, if you're baking them at home, that all right all right whatever sorry. I'm not sure. Look, look. Here's my here's my biggest question based off of this question about the homegrown apocalypse meal. Do either of you know how to make peanut butter? Uh, no, but I'm sure I could learn. I know the theory. Trial and error. I don't even know the theory. And now, now that I'm thinking about this, I have to look it up because that is like my main staple in life. I love peanut butter. So um, I don't. I don't know if I could grow peanuts here. That's the question. I don't know. I think that you just well. crush up the peanuts. Yeah, oh. you'd have to like crush them up and um, yeah, there's definitely like, a concoction. Maybe there. heat them up and you know. add oil and you have to emulsify. I, I think you do have to roast them first. Mm, yeah, All right, I'm looking just, this you up. Just keep you, you look, crush. Tr- look at them crush. now before the apocalypse happens. <laughs> you crush and you crush until it's peanut butter. <laughs> just keep crushing. It's like churning butter. <laughs> <laughs> it's, yeah, peanut butter. Yeah, it makes up. All sense. right, I'm lo- I'm looking up an online course about how to make peanut butter. Cool. I wonder what the film snork would say. Because he likes to cook. He does like to cook, but he also has to grow I have a it. Feeling, I, feel, I have a feeling BB yeah. is going to be uh, raiding all of our houses. For I think she's similarly <laughs> helpless like me in terms of planting I, and growing. I see BB out in the wild with, like, war paint on, just, like, tracking down animals and, like, eating them raw like a lioness. That's what I see. Mm-hmm. She, she would just okay. become a carnivore. <laughs> yeah. Will you please tell Bert to stop staring at me? You're the one who's been handing out all the evil mixed pies. What does that even mean? Will you please be quiet? I am trying to send a message. Well, Bridget, he's sitting at me side of the seat. I am not. I called shotgun. Right about now, I wish I had a shotgun. Be quiet, okay? Yes, Bridget. Okie dokie, Bridget. Thank you. Thank you. 
so I think my take on episode three of The Last of Us would have to be, I say this all the time on the podcast, but it did indeed uh, wreck me. I absolutely had no clue whatsoever that this episode would be this episode. The plot, the storyline, the characters. I am still in shock. I was left speechless immediately after watching this episode. I, again, never played the video game. I had no expectations going into this. I had no idea that Frank and Bill were characters uh, from the show. I don't know what the extent of their storyline was uh, in the video game. But let me tell you, the last thing I expected was Nick Offerman, a.k.a. Ron Swanson, to be the softy uh, that he was in this episode. I just don't know how to explain it. Like, this was an emotional roller coaster. Maybe I haven't seen a ton of apocalyptic movies and television shows, but this is a side of, let's say, an apocalypse, like a storytelling side that I would never would have, have expected to explore. Because, yeah, you know, I, <laughs> a survivalist, like, do survivalists actually survive an apocalypse? Truly. You know, we think of these people as being crazy. But at the end of the day, like, the character of Bill, like, lived a long and happy life for being a survivalist, essentially. And it's funny because when Nick Offerman was announced to be in this cast, um, I mean, I'm a big fan of Parks and Recreation, so I, I know him mainly as Ron Swanson. So when they introduced him, the character Bill, in this episode, I was like, oh my god, of course Ron Swanson's going to be a survivalist, you know, you know, doesn't believe in the government you know, has lots of guns and is living in a basement. Shocker, you know. Uh, but the turn that this episode took when they introduced the character of Frank, I was floored. Uh, I did not expect that at all. And then for this episode in this horror dystopian world, like, it was like a real love story. Like, the Last of Us episode three, like, has nothing on the notebook. Oh, my God. I, like, and, and it's, like, so weird to even think comparing The Last of Us to, like, a Nicholas Sparks film, <laughs> you know, with Ryan Gosling and Rachel McAdams. But the thing is, like, when you set off to watch a Nicholas Sparks film, you know what you're getting into. You know it's going to be a romance, and you know that there's going to be a lot of tears, and you know it's going to move you in some way. So, like, the ending of the notebook, maybe I didn't know exactly how it was going to end, but you knew that you were going to end in a ball of tears, a puddle of tears, and with a box of tissues. You knew that was going to happen. Now, in the third episode of The Last of Us, was not expecting that, was indeed not expecting that. Uh, and I think it just hit so much harder because it was so unexpected. And it was just beautiful. I, I guess that's, like, the best way I can describe it is just... It was a beautiful, beautiful episode, and I can't wait to watch more. I mean, I hope you get more uh, Nick Offerman. I obviously highly doubt it. I think he's magnificent on screen, and I wish, oh my god, he was like in every single episode. Um, but, god, that was beautiful. And then, again, like how they like came for a circle, and they had Pedro Pascal Joel, um and Ellie, like, come back, and they set off on this road trip, and it was just something, like, that was so sweet about it, when they're taking the truck, and they put the little tape 
the in the car stereo and they drive away like you kind of forget for a minute that you're living in this horror world like that's the best way to describe it like we were just in boston and there's a bunch of these clickers just like crawling on each other and they're just like oh it was terrifying and then this episode kind of like removed you from all of that but you're still in the same world and it just felt completely different so far i think the storytelling of the last of us is magnificent this was not a show i expected to love as much as i have loved and you can bet your bottom dollar that i have been tuning in every sunday night at 9 p.m because i can't wait i can't wait i don't know we'll see what's in store for episode four but i'm excited to watch more enough already are we there yet for the millionth time we're not there yet Bridget, if I were you, I'd put this ship into high gear. I might just need to drop Richie the Third off at the old swimming pool. You're disgusting. That's it. That's it. I am pulling this ship over right now.